You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, it's UFC 261 this weekend, and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried Fantasy MMA yet, what are you waiting for? It's super easy to play. You just pick six fighters, stay under the cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, hockey and basketball are still going on, and DraftKings has even more ways for you to rack up the money throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That promo code is THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the We Fucking Suck podcast. That's the new name officially. We're going to change it as of tonight. What an embarrassment. These guys are absolute losers. Every single one of them. Fair warning, you're getting us directly at, like, the game literally ended about 10 minutes ago. So you're not getting any um, filtering. You're not getting any processing of... You know, coming into this with a decent headspace. This is our fan reaction right after losing that fucking game. Like, wh- what was that? Like, uh, I can't even. I'm not mad. I'm not. I'm just. It's fucking hilarious, is what it is. Dude, uh, where do you want to start? Because, holy fuck. I don't know. Were you expecting to win this game? No, to be perfectly honest, no. <laughs> I wasn't because it's again, like I was saying last time, everybody's on this like, well, okay, listen, if they just beat Montreal 10 times in a row and they win every other game and then Montreal loses every other game, like we could totally do it. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is the problem. (laughs) They sucked us all back in a little bit because while I wasn't expecting them to get into it, I was happy with how they've been playing. And then, they come out and lose to Ottawa in the in the in the biggest game of the year. Well, I mean, that's the biggest thing is they did win three in a row. They looked pretty good, and then they lose to Montreal. Was it one nothing? No, two one. Two to one. So you're just like, well, there's the team we know and love right there. You have you literally have a silver or a golden opportunity handed to you on a silver platter. Again, you don't fucking deserve it because you've had 
such a shit season. How many individual players have been absolute garbage all season fucking long? I'm ready to fucking ream some players out tonight. I hope you are. Dude. But like you're you were right there. Yeah, all you had to do was beat Montreal. Sure, it was a tight checking game. But fuck. Score can, a fucking goal. Can somebody just like say enough is enough with the fucking bullshit? I'm just gonna go off. I mean, I just watched the fucking Oilers highlights. Oh, geez, dude. And I, I w- get it. I get it. McDavid is skilled to uh, like the nth degree, but the guy can make shit happen. He can win you a game single handedly. Who the fuck in our team has that capability anymore? We saw it in 1819. Johnny could do it. Monty could do it. Chucky could do it. Nobody can fucking do it. Nobody has the capability any longer. It's fucking sad. I was watching that Oilers game because the Rogers feed cut off because, you know, good old Rogers. So the Oilers get a power play late in the second period. Connor McDavid literally willed that team to victory tonight. He was like, fuck this. We're winning. And he turned it on and they won. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, and that's my point because what were the Oilers doing? They played the exact same game that we played against the Montreal Canadiens last game where we lose 2-1, where it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, we're going to stick with the system, guys. Yep, 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 yep. And then as soon as the Oilers are doing the same thing tonight and it's not working, what does Connor McDavid do? Fuck it. Enough with this bullshit. We need a goal. I don't give a fuck what it takes. We're getting a goal. Here's the summation. The Oilers down 1-0 in the third period against uh, Montreal tonight. They created high, eight high-danger chances in the third period. Eight. Do you want to know how many of the Flames created in the third period in the biggest game of the year tonight against one of the worst teams in the league? Fucking zero. Not one. There Not a single one at five on five. Nothing. One. They had one high-danger chance. It was on the power play. That's it. That's it. Biggest game of the year. You get one scoring chance. In the third period. That's the game. That's the season. That's the story of the season right there. And to me, this just comes back to. Because everyone's like, oh, yeah, they've had bad shooting luck. Yeah, they've had bad luck. Have blah, 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 bad luck. This team does not have enough elite level talent in the top six. We have known this for seven goddamn years. And our fucking moron GM. Refuse to do anything about it. The incompetency is so blaringly obvious right now with our general manager. It's extremely obvious. Like what the difference in the last two games, the difference in the Montreal game was Tyler Toffoli scored some goals. They have a goal scorer who can score goals. You needed a goal scorer tonight. You needed somebody who, when the puck was on their stick, instead of Matthew Chuck fumbling every goddamn shot he has post right into the goalie's chest falling flat on his face you need a guy who can bury it you've needed that for seven years there's not much left to say other than that like it's just hilarious to me that we're still playing this oh they're bad luck because remember in the glenn gullison year remember that it was like man the flames just don't get any luck Oh, yeah, they, ran into another hot goalie tonight. Another hot goalie. They had all the possession. They had all the scoring chances. They ran into 
just a hot goalie. No, maybe they fucking suck and they don't have enough skill up front. This period, like this is what it comes down to for me. This team isn't good enough. Period. So either you make the team better or fucking blow it up. Like seriously, what what's the point in middling? Like, what is the fucking point? All it is is fucking infuriating to watch because you're up and down, yo-yo. It's just one big cocktease, man. Well, indeed. That's, that's, what it's been, it that's what it's been, really. For If you look retrospectively back at the last, let's say the last four years where they've been competitive, it has been the same shit. These, they get on streak, streaky, you know, can't score, hot goalie. Oh, they played really well, but they couldn't score. Yes, because they need, like, I just can't believe this. we're still talking about this. And what is wrong with Matthew Kachuk? He does, yeah. can't score anymore? Is he qualified? His qualifying offer is at $9 million next year? This dude can't score. It's funny because, I mean, look, you, you've been saying this for a bit. You have. And then you text me today saying it again. What you just said, no, like the the thing that nobody's talking about is how bad Kachuk's been, like, and and then he he plays the puck coming out of his own end with an empty net. Literally, your entire season is on the line. The Oilers just gave you a fucking gift. Mike Stone <laughs> gave you a gift. You have the last tiny bit of shred of hope and you're coming out of your end and you're such a bad skater. You can't even do a little tight turn without falling on your fucking face. What well, happened to this guy? You like, text- literally in 18, 19, this guy, well, somebody said it on Twitter like two minutes ago, this guy used to be the engine that drove the team. Like in 1819, whenever we needed a spark, Matthew Kachuk, oh, look at that goal. He's fallen over more than he's shot the puck this season on the net. Why, why, like, does he need new skates? Does he need, like, why can't this guy fucking skate? I don't understand it. Can you not, like, if you do not realize you suck at skating, like, how, like, it's two games now. You said this the other day, like, the fucking, what was it, the Leafs game, empty net. Should have been a should have iced it. You had a two on one with Elias Lindholm, and you fall right on your face. You end up losing that game. Well, you said to me earlier when Brady Chuck scored that sweet goal. <laughs> there's no way in hell Matthew would have scored that goal. Oh. I was like, I was like, no, he would have been on his face or flailing around or who the hell knows what. Have you seen any sort of finish from Matthew Kachuk like we saw from Brady tonight? Like, and I mean, the other thing is, too, is, like, where is this guy's net front, like, strength, power forward? Like, we've seen this before where he's in front of the net getting those garbage goals, whacking it. Where's the strength? Does this dude need to hit the gym or what? Like, he gets pushed off the puck so easily now. He has no finish. Can't fucking skate. What is with this guy? And that's, on his face all over the fucking place. And, like, that to me is the biggest... Because everybody's been crushing Gaudreau for the last two years, crushing Monaghan. The team went into this season with the premise that, okay, Elias Lindholm and Matthew Chuck, you're the two top, you're the two guys now. This is oh, your. Sure aren't. This is your, this is your team. You two, you guys run the top line. 
I mean, say what you want about Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau, but they ran this team's top line at an elite level for three to four years. Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm have not been able to do that without Gaudreau. And Kachuk specifically, like I know he's been okay in terms of his underlying metrics, but this guy's supposed to be the best player on the team. This guy is the highest paid player on the team. This is, his qualifying offer is nine mil next season after next season. And it's just, it's getting to the point where it's like, what is wrong with this guy? I just don't understand what's going on with him. I, I really don't. I don't know, man. Like, whew. like when he gets the puck on his stick, I used to have utmost faith in him, right? Like it was like, man, I oh, yeah. know, I know yeah. he's going to do something with this play. Now when he gets the puck, I'm like, how is he going to fuck this up? It's the opposite. Yeah. You, when you he used to, in a, well, 18, 19, right? It's just like, okay, at least something good will happen. We might not score, but something good's going to happen. Now it's the opposite. Oh, is he going to fall on his face or is he going to fan on it? Or what the fuck's he going to do next? Try in between the legs again? Fall over a stick? Like, this guy has been way off. I mean, like, the only consistent player we have is Andrew Mangiopani. It's true. That's it. That well, is it. And I mean, like, Chris Tanev, I mean, Chris Tanev, I guess, because Rasmus Anderson might be the worst I, I, hockey player in the entire league right now. I can't believe how bad this guy is. Like, you want to talk about regression? Can this guy make, can he complete a pass? Is my question. He really just signed that contract and totally dipped, eh? <laughs> I can't believe how you go from, well, even the same thing with Matt Kachuk. How do you go from being from like, Good, borderline great to absolute trash because that's where Rasmus Anderson is right now in my in, in my category. Dude, absolute he's, trash. He's been garbage. Complete liability. He just doesn't skate anymore. Like he has, he's incapable of skating with the puck. We noticed. He just can't he can't do it, and he has no ability to make any play off his backhand. So all he has is his one his. One side, one dimension. He can't make a pass, and when he tries to, it's the most obvious thing of all time. This guy's brutal. So bad right now. Yeah, it's it's pretty. What upset. is going on on the power play? <laughs> Why is he on the fucking power play? Literally, I would be happy with any. I would put. Player. I swear to God, I would rather have Michael Stone I'm on the top power play unit than Rasmus yep. Anderson. One hundred percent. I'd rather have him on there than Geo. The, the the puck is moving around. And again, it's all perimeter bullshit for the most part. Yep. But as soon as it gets on four stick, done. It's dead. Plays dead. Doesn't matter where. I don't understand the obsession of funneling everything through the point when you can't even, we don't even have a demon that can get the puck through unless it's Michael Stone. So get Michael Stone in the power play. If that's going to be your MO, you have all this skill, this high-end skill up front on the power play yet you insist on running it through Mark Giordano from the point guy hey, you know, he's either breaking a stick or firing into a shin pad 98% of the time. Jay fresh hockey on Twitter just did a blog article today on the uh, defenseman with the, who shoot the most low quality shots. And I mean, I, you can imagine how high Geo is on that list. What he was 10th on that list for, for low quality shots. Like, I mean, honestly, what is going on? Like, why is that? The, why is that the strategy? I don't get it. 
I really do not get it. The strategy five on five or on the power play is give it to the geo usually and let them blast it from not even, not even the point, not even like kind of at the circles, the high blue line, like as close to the blue line as you can get without being offside, have them blast it from there every single time. I mean, well, listen, we touched on it. I think last podcast because they were getting some goals from the point but the whole point of this, like having your D active is not what you just described, right? You're, 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 you know, so far from the blue line with, with <laughs> it's people are, are calling it out on Twitter tonight. I'm watching the game and people are like, why do you keep shooting from the buck and blue line when there's three guys collapsing in the lane, you have three Ottawa centers that just collapse right to the middle. Why? Because they know exactly what your stupid fucking team's gonna do. They're not gonna fucking move the puck around down deeper, do cross crease passes like every other team that scores in the NHL does. Dude, did I you? Mean, wa- I was watching the Oilers power play, like unbelievable. They just move it. It's all around. It's 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 just like a big huge. It's a it's a hurricane, is what it is. I mean, the they don't just zone. like feed it up to Darnell Nurse and then hope that he gets it through three guys every single fucking time. Certainly not. It's just like an absolute nightmare for the opposing team. They get so many chances. Then you watch the Flames, and like I just, it blows my goddamn mind that that's the strategy. Is give it to Geo and let him blast it. Well, like, I mean, you you have been posting more analytics of like speaking from a whole of how much this team is trying to run everything from the point at all times. That's our power play five on five. Everything like that's it. It's from the point. Everything is funneling it, through the high point. And the, the problem with it is you're fine with dicking around on the perimeter. Why aren't you trying to generate chances in the slot? Like, I don't know, man. Does Sutter think this team is that lacking in scoring ability that they got to rely on getting goals from the point? That's it. I don't understand it. Right, like I mean, and everybody's like, "Oh, Sean Monahan is not creating any offense." Well, I mean, the slot is his area, man. That's where he's gonna. That's his bread and butter. When they're fucking blasting it from the point every time they get the puck, or just from the half board, like, and just hoping to get a rebound, like you're never gonna get any. Like, it's just fuck, man. I don't even that, know anymore. The thing that I don't understand, right? I mean, we talk about this flipping and flopping. I really expected them. Would they have three days, two days off, or three days off? I guess they only had two days off. Yeah, it was probably a travel day. They probably only only had one practice day. They better beat Montreal back to back because they have three days to prepare for this shit. Three fucking days, and Montreal looks like ass right now. Their goaltending is suspect. They can't score either. Good, good matchup for us, eh? Uh, you know what's gonna happen. They'll Vancouver, win the first Vancouver, one. Vancouver's going to make it. <laughs> yeah, I was texting you. How come nobody's talking about Vancouver? They have a better chance of, of making the playoffs than we do. <laughs> totally. Like, like, what are they only four points back with seven games in hand of us? <laughs> like, fuck me. Well, that's what you it's just watch, like- literally watch them. Watch them make it over because Montreal is not that great dude, right now. Vancouver is five points back and they have seven games in hand. Yep. And so, they, they could totally catch Montreal as well. You know, who's going to take advantage 
of teams beating the Montreal Canadiens because it sure shit isn't us. It's, it's Vancouver. Gonna, you know what? I fucking hope they do it. I really do. Me too. Fuck they us. deserve it. I like their team. I'm so done. Like this team is done, man. Like, like yeah. what the fuck? Well, and the thing that for me, that's just like, what the fuck is like, nobody's like the same problems that have plagued this team for five goddamn years are still on full display. And like you said, off the top of this, if you're not going to rebuild, then fix the problems, right? Like, what is this shit of just like, here, we're not really going to ever do anything, ever. We're just going to leave it. Like, we're never going to go all in. Like, I mean, that wasn't that the point of not trading for Mark Stone? Oh, yeah, we don't want to trade young assets. Okay. I guess you're committed to, you know, playing young players as you sign 48 PTOs and play them all over all the young players. You're not going to... You know, Valimaki looks like a fucking triple like A player. Triple uh, <laughs> A? No, Dude. What do, what do you call it? Junior C. That's what I'm thinking of. He looked like he was playing for my hometown, Didsbury Colts Junior B, and still wouldn't even fit in. Dude was absolute. A- what was he doing? What was he doing? Like, holy crap. This is our best Prospects. I know we had a rough game and I really liked the player, but geez, he was bad tonight. Might've been the worst game I've ever seen from a hockey player in Calgary in a long ass time. Well, and here's the thing is like, Hey, look, we've been, we've been really patient, right? With Sutter. I think we, we still have to be into next season, but are you seeing any dividends with the, you know, the way he's dealing with Val Mackey and Dubé because they both sucked really bad tonight. Yeah, Dubé is not responding well. He's been terrible. Same with Val Mackey. Exactly. They're not responding to whatever he's doing with the benching, with the scratching. They're not responding at all. It's not working. And interesting thing to keep tabs on because, right, you keep on hearing this, all the millennials, they can't, you got to treat them differently, right? Um, like you said, no, like literally not responding well at all to 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 being taken out of the lineup and whatnot like Dubé he looks I really don't hope it comes down to this but tonight Dubé I had visions of the next Sam Bennett I just mean like mentally right like getting like yeah discouraged yeah yeah, he's not in a good space mentally right now so like and what the fuck was I have this on my list to talk about. What's with the Richie Dubé, Richie Richie Dubé thing in practice yesterday? Yeah, that's weird. The lines are flipped, and then they flip some back for the for the like. What is he doing? Head games, mind games. Who the fuck knows where I'm? So, and I don't know. I mean, we've been pretty you know, supportive of, of Daryl so far. I haven't heard his explanation of it, but I mean, if you look at Dubé tonight, that was probably one of his worst games of the season and not because of lack of effort. His effort was too much. Yeah. It was 120% and guys only give 120% like that when they don't feel confident in their role. Right. So, and if you look at the way, you know, Daryl, the treatment with Daryl, it's the same. It's the same. It was the same thing with Peters. Okay. It was even like, remember, it seemed like Peters had a hate on for this guy. 
Couldn't do, dude, dude, couldn't Bill, do Bill right. hated him, man. Couldn't do anything right. Um, you know, we saw some similar things with Ward, but it's it's gone back to this thing now uh, with Daryl. So I don't know. I just think that there's something going on there, and <laughs> if it's not uh, fixed or it's not worked out. He could be the next Sam Bennett. I'm not even kidding. We've seen this story play out before, you know. Speaking of Sam Bennett, because um, here's my contrast. I'm watching the game tonight. I was watching the Florida Panthers play before our game because I'm actually intrigued to see how the Sam Bennett story shapes out. He's played two games now. His first game, I couldn't believe it. First game they got they got him slotted as second line center between Anthony Duclair and Jonathan Huberto. What a step up from Brett Ritchie, eh? Just a bit of a step up from playing with Derek Ryan and Brett Ritchie, or James Neal and Mark Jankowski. And you know, some people might say, "Well, he was playing with Johnny Monty, didn't do anything," but. Johnny Money right now or nothing compared to Huberto and fucking Duclair. I mean, you could have picked up Duclair for free in the offseason, Brad. Well, whatever. So I'm watching the Florida Panthers play tonight. Like, so Bennett gets two assists in his first game. Absolutely bone crushing, bone crushes some guy in the corner. Like, Anthony Anthony Sorelli, only one of the best young centers in the game, just destroys him. Literally destroys him. Tonight's game, he scores a great goal. That line is looking good. And then Sam Bennett sticks up. Duclair gets a high hit. And then Sam Bennett comes in, fights the guy, right? But the main thing is, like, I'm watching the Panthers play. And I'm just like, this is weird watching the Panthers play. Like, what? You know, but it's just like they're actually pretty good. Like they're they play up tempo. They're very dangerous once they get into the ozone. Um, and it's kind of an adjustment to watch them. It's weird. And then I go and watch our game. I'm like, fuck, we suck. Mm-hmm. We don't push play. We don't generate. We don't. We don't uh, funnel anything into the slot. We're not fast. It's it's like we're so perimeter. Even our highest skilled guys, even when they cut to the center of the ice and try and make room for themselves, they end up just going right back to the perimeter because I guess they're instructed to funnel everything to the fucking point. Low percentage. That's all that is. No wonder you can't fucking score. So I don't know. It was it was my it was a big contrast. I was not expecting, I didn't know what to expect watching Florida, but uh, like I said, I'm intrigued naturally because I don't know why. I've, I guess I'm a Sam, ben- Sam Bennett fan. I don't really even know. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good – and they're a fun story to watch. But, I mean, it is weird watching good teams. Like, I was watching the Oilers game, like I said. And it's like the Oilers are so much better than us, it's not yeah. even funny. Like, they, like I said, McDavid just turned it on. And, yep. yeah, we're going to win. And they absolutely dominated for 25 minutes. And, they like, they are so much better than us. It's hilarious. And I think part of it is like you always bring this up. These guys are too coachable, right? Yeah. They're too they're too afraid to take one toe out of this little system of the process that they're trying to do, right? 
And I, and I, on one hand, I get that, but on another hand, at some point, someone has to just take the fucking lead, take charge. And like, we don't do that. Nobody does that. Who does that? Who have you seen do that this year? It other used to than, be Matthew Kachuk, but nobody other, anymore, other, man. Other than Mangiapane, and like he's not skilled enough to do it often enough to win us enough games to get us into the playoffs. Like he does everything right, right? But he's not like he's not going to go out there and, and pull a Connor McDavid and score three goals like on every off night just because he can. So, like, where, like, dude, I cannot believe how much Sean Monahan has regressed. Because I'm watching, I'm watching him as like this potential go-to guy. When this guy gets the puck, nothing happens ever. You want to talk about perimeter? As soon as he gets it, he tries to move to the perimeter. Like, unless he can get alone in front in the slot, fuck, man. Kind of useless. Dude, it's kind of under. Like, again, this is why we've been defending him so much early this season and the offseason. I mean, even over last offseason, we were like, I don't know, this guy gets too much shit because it's just like, I don't understand. Like, it just blows my mind that you go from being elite to absolute dog shit in the course of a season and a half. That's what blows my mind. And instead of adding guys like, there's another one, Duclair, Toffoli, take your pick, Corey Perry. Like, how easy would it have been to add Corey Perry over Brett Ritchie? Dude, how, just, look at the guys the Panthers added. Okay, if you add those guys to the fleet, and that's the thing with it really bugs me. He's like, okay, hey, we can blame Monaghan all we want. He hasn't been good. But he has not, the, these guys have not been insulated, and this team has not been. No, exactly. Like, these guys, these guys have been doing it on their own for five years. The, yep. the three guys, Kachuk, Goudreau, Monahan, now Lindholm, like they do it on their own. That's it. Like they, they've never had any outside help. Manjapani comes in. He's been great. But like you're telling me this team wouldn't be better. Like Monahan wouldn't be better if his line mates were Carter Verhage and Anthony Duclair. Get the fuck out of here. I don't really know where I was going with that, but it's just like you well, look at you look at how all these other teams have insulated their core players with with support and then you look at what the flames have done and they've done the exact opposite it's just I mean, like well of course this is gonna happen it all comes down to adding dude i mean look at the additions the panthers have made they weren't even that good last year they ended up selling last year they made a fuck ton of additions in the offseason and then of course they added <laughs> when they're in a playoff spot they added more players in the last seven months to their top nine than Brad Schliving has added in seven years. They added Gusev, Verhage, Verhage. You could have picked up in the off season, no problem. Um, who, who else? Duclair. <laughs> like it's just like go up and down the line. It's just Go- it's so Goodis. frustrating. Gudis. I sent you a list the other day, and I'm blanking out right now. But I mean, just like the amount of. It's just so frustrating, dude. Like, I just, it blows my mind, you know, like that we're still talking about this. And this is the rant I went on after the Dallas series where it's like, everyone's like, yeah, Monaghan and Gaudreau aren't good enough. No shit. So go out and make the team better. Great, great two players to build a team around. But you have to build a team around them. Patrick Hornquist. There's another one. Walmart. Wenberg. 
Jesus. Gudis. They went out and got the goalie. Oh, anyways, um, the, the contrast, man, is not even close. It's just like we don't have game breakers. We don't have we on even, yeah. We don't even have gamers. Yeah, we don't have anybody. And here's the other thing: it's just like what direction is Brad taking this? He's taking it in the direction he's always taken it. He's directionless. That's always been his MO, man. Because the whole MO after the Colorado series was he want to be tougher to play against. Like, that's literally it. Yeah. That's all, that's all we've been hearing. So you go and swap Neil for Lucic. I mean, yeah, we went, we win the trade after two seasons. We'll see what happens beyond this. But it's funny. There's the Michael Furland, Biexa, you know, circulating it around. Um, from whatever year that was, what was that 2015? 2015. <laughs> you want to you want to be tougher to play against, hey? So you trade away Michael Furland. You you let Garnet Hathaway go. Um, who's the other Who's the other beast? Sam Bennett, right? It's just like. Oh, what are you doing? You want to be tougher to play against, yet you're letting your toughest players go, and you're trading your tougher player, players as chips. I'm not. I'm not really saying we should have kept any of those guys, but it goes against what you're trying to do. It just doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like letting four UFA defensemen walk at the end of the season, and then going into the offseason telling us that defense is your priority. Defense is our priority, so I'm going to let our best defenseman walk. Oh, that doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't know what Brad Shuleving's end game is here. Like, I, I really don't. Like, it just makes no sense to me, man. I don't even know. Like, I want this season to be over is the bottom line. <laughs> Can we just end this? It's, God, it's just so bad. It's so bad. And, you know, like, final point on Sam Bennett now with the Panthers is – Look, small sample size. Is he is he going to keep this pace? Probably not. I hope he does. I think you do too. Most Flames fans do. And yeah, part of and- me, part of me also wants him to do it just to fucking prove that Brad Treliving's an idiot. That this organization has failed him. I want that satisfaction for Sam Sam Bennett. Well, and geez, like all these people who are like, oh, you think Sam Bennett's going to be good? He's always going to suck. It's like, yeah. I don't expect Sam Bennett to be like a great player all of a sudden. Hey, but, he might be, but like, I would sure love to see it because I love the guy. There's a debate on, on Twitter today. And like I said, it's way too early. Well, and, and he's done this before, right? It's like yeah. played th- three games where he looks unbelievable. And then he dips for like 35. And it's but look terrible. Who, the biggest difference though, is look who he's playing with. And he's actually on a good team. In a in a role, like a really important role, second line center, and the style of play that these guys play, like he's playing with Anthony Duclair. The guy, the guy has skill. He plays fast, and he can bang. He can crash. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Huberto is just dangerous as fuck. He's like Johnny Goudreau, but he's got the strength and fortitude as Leon Dreisaitl. So. I mean, this was this was my biggest point with Sam Bennett in the, in the past. Just like he's played with dog shit. 
I'm really curious to see how, how this rolls out um, playing on a better team, right? Maybe this team plays a system of style that's more suited for Sam. Um, I mean, I think that's the extent we'll go go at it with this whole Panthers and, and Sam Bennett thing because obviously this is Kevin Flames podcast. But um, I just thought the contrast was huh, it was actually it's painful. The contrast is painful because you go and watch your fucking team. And they, they and they they can't even push pace against the worst team in the division. And there's nobody that takes the lead, takes the charge, take the takes the bull by the horns and gets it done. Nobody. Except for fucking Michael Stone. I guess this is why Sutter has these guys in the lineup. Well, and like, dude, this has been my whole thing is like we didn't see this coming, like Mark Giordano, as much as he struggled this year, like, we didn't, like, everyone saw this coming. As Sean Monaghan, too. It's like, like, this guy isn't, the GM isn't going to clue in and be like, I need to make some changes. You can't keep rolling out the same goddamn team year after year after year after year after year, not addressing the issues of your team and expect there to be any different results. You just can't. Well, he did address them. He, he had more toughness. Fucking idiot. Isn't that why we lost Colorado? We, we, we couldn't push him around enough. Like, and I mean, it's just so hilarious to look because I think there is such an interesting comparison to be made to about between the flames and the avalanche following that series where the Flames said, yep, we need to be tougher to play against and shit. And the avalanche were like, yep, we need to get more skilled, more fast, more dangerous. Yeah. Big, like that's the biggest difference. One of those teams has done that. They've added Nazem Kadri. They've added Devontae. They've added Jonas Donskoy. They've added Brandon Saad. They've added Valerie Nikush. And I mean, I don't want to come on here and just like bitch like all the time and say the same things all the time. But fuck, is something ever going to change with how this franchise is run? Okay, well, that's going to be the next question is what you do with Brad because this, the Avalanche series... I think uh, we looked into it way too much because you didn't realize it at the time, but you lost to what is now the best team in the league. They're the best team in the league. Yeah. Um, Probably one of the best teams in the last 10 years. Like they're, they're unreal. And that was their coming out party. 18, 19. They've been unreal ever since going toe-to-toe with the best teams in the league. So I think you read way too much into that. But the biggest takeaway is Flames management. And after that series, you say, okay, we need to change the style of play. Instead of we need <laughs> we need to make changes to our roster and make the roster better, they say, no, we need to make the way we play the game better. Instead of we need to get better players. Which I don't know if that's – ever going to work. Um, maybe if you're the Islanders, but were they, did they, did they bring in Barry Trotz to save them from uh, a record setting regular season the, the, the year prior? Like, was that the situation they were in where they needed Barry Trotz to come in and like, you know, basically coach this team to, you know, the third round of playoffs it's it's like 
this management has, has made so many wrong decisions. Um, and I don't know. I just think you're at a point now, guys like Sean Monahan, Johnny Goudreau, I don't think they believe anymore in this uh, organization, in this franchise. And then what's not going to help that is when they see their buddies that they've been playing with for a few years, Sam Bennett, even longer, have success elsewhere. See David Riddick have success elsewhere. Um, I mean, you, you sent me this. Friedman was talking about it the other day, uh, maybe a week or two ago, just how the, there's, a, there's a few teams that are you know, working down the salary cap. Maybe you should explain what your take from that was. Well, Friedman mentioned in his podcast because they were talking about the trade deadline, and he was saying there's a few teams who are laying the groundwork for changes in the offseason. And two teams he mentioned were Calgary and Philly. So, and so I asked you, okay, what does that mean? And your take is that it probably means Sean Monahan and Johnny Goudreau. Well, my take was there's the Flames are laying groundwork to make major changes in the offseason. Who that is remains to be seen. But I mean, again, like look at the roster. What are you going to do? Like, honestly, like what can you do? If you're not standing pat, what are you going to do? Like Ooh, my, my gosh, man, I don't know what, what can, okay. Here's, here's my question for you is what can Brad do in this situation? Um, because obviously you want to, you want to salvage the core that you have for the, for the last, like next year is the last year. That's it. So you probably want to do one last kick at the can, but is he even capable of making this team better? It doesn't appear so. Like he, his assessment's off. Does he know he needs a top six, another top six player? Apparently does, not. Does he, does he recognize that, you know, there's been a revolving door in your top six for the last three seasons now? Why is that? Because you don't have six top six players. You have right now, how many top six legitimate players you have? Maybe four. You Maybe. Have four. Like maybe, and that's like a that's a I'm being generous. Like the Flames you have, top, <laughs> you have four. I would say you have four. I'm not I'm not counting Sean Monahan correct currently. Yeah, this. no, me either. You got Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk, Elias, and Andrew Manjabani. Correct. <laughs> that's it. I and mean, this has been our point for quite a long time. We've had Monty and back on us both fringe top six players. It's been so apparent, so obvious that you need to beef up the top six. So I don't know why you're going in the other direction. Is Brad on the hot seat is my next question for you, because this is, is not looking good. Now, I don't know if you're the owners, where do you think they're at? Because you have already said that you think that Brad's job might be on the line prior to this complete debacle that we've witnessed in the last four weeks. Well, I mean, I still personally believe that the Daryl Sutter hire was a sign that Brad is in trouble because like, you cannot tell me, even though it sounds like Brad was involved in the decision, you cannot tell me that th that did not come somewhat from the top down. 
right? Like he, well, they were they were definitely heavily involved. Heavily involved. Heavily involved. And I mean, you look at all the shit that's happened in the past two years. You get embarrassed by the avalanche. The like the Bill Peters things to me is still like I there's no way in hell the ownership was pleased about that. You look at the debacle in the playoffs. You look at the debacle with rehiring Jeff Ward. You look at everything he's done. And then you all, look at this team. All the buyouts, all the money, all the shit. Like, this is Brad's team. You look at what he's done in seven years. This is what he's done in seven years. This. If you're watching, if you're still able to watch this team every night, every game they play, this is what Brad Tree Living has been able to do in seven years. This is his this. vision, man. This, this is, is his, it. This is his... <laughs> This is what he's been able to cobble together. So, like, I and just, like, if I'm an owner who's been paying hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm not very happy. And, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that, I, I just don't see how they wouldn't be, like, especially heading into a year where it's, like, they're coming off so many, coming off so much financial hardship, and it's, like, Hey, dipshit, we ponied up. We gave you the go-ahead to sign Markstrom. We gave you we they give him permission to go to the cap every single year. Buyouts, everything. And this is the season. So, like the fact they hired Daryl Sutter is an indication to me that Brad is in trouble. Yeah. And I mean, again, like either way they go, let's say they do a thing where they like trade Gaudreau, which they probably will. Like, I don't know what other option you have or you rebuild, do they trust Brad Shea Living to do either of those things? I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't think so either. I don't even think they do after seeing this last move with Daryl coming in. Like, like, we've said this before. Is Brad Shea Living 100% an idiot? Is he 100% you know, incapable of making this team better, of executing his job as a general manager for this team? No. But you only get so many mistakes until they come back to haunt you. And we're at that point now. We're at that point now where he's made enough mistakes. He's had enough moments of inaction of doing, not only doing some of the wrong things, but not doing the right things that we're at this point because this is not where we're supposed to be. We're in a window where we're supposed to be competing and contending in the playoffs and your back-to-back seasons. <laughs> Last year, you barely, barely got in. You got in Dude. because you got to play the Winnipeg Jets who were massacred by injury in the qualifying round. That's why you got in. And this season, you're not going to make the playoffs. So, not only are you is, not going to make the playoffs, you're probably going to be the one of the worst teams in the league. This is not where you're supposed to be. So, at the end of the day, look, I get it. You, you, you blame the players, but after seven years, what you're watching right now, this is what this is the team that Brad's created. That's what it all comes down to for me. So I don't feel comfortable unless like the only way I feel comfortable with Brad Trilling still managing this team 
into the future. And into the future, I'm looking at it as a very shortly short window, maybe one. If we have success next year, maybe one more. But because what's he on? He's got two years left after this. Yeah, he's on the same deal as Sutter. There was there was a lot of question marks for us, a lot of red flags for us when before he got his extension. So we were a little thrown off by that. But the only situation scenario where I actually feel comfortable is if, and I don't know how this goes down, maybe it's ownership says, look, dummy, don't fuck it up anymore. Meaning don't be, I don't know, like, I don't trust him to trade away Goudreau and start retooling to start rebuilding. I don't want this fucker rebuilding our team. Well, and, re- rebuild for sure. <laughs> and look, not even because, not not solely because I think he's incapable. You're like, I don't, you know, with the whole vision thing and all the things we've mentioned in the last year or two. But you need to change. I, that's the sole reason for me. You need to go in a new direction. Look at this team. These players, man. Everybody is regressing. That can't be a good sign of management. It can't be. I mean, do you want do you want the Calgary Flames to be the team where players go to die now? Like that's that's who we are. So you need to change things. I think. I, I if I'm ownership, that's it. At the end of the season, I'm parting ways. I'm going in a new direction. I know Daryl's still signed for two years. That's going to be a hard fucking um, contract decision to change but i think owners would probably be okay with it for two years but i just don't understand where you go from here man listen like you said this a a little while ago it's like because you asked me like what are the realistic options like if brad does make a retool move or whatever like does that that does it, it doesn't matter because does it get you closer to being in contention with the colorado avalanche or only the vegas golden knights only if Sutter can have an impact on your team, the likes of Barry Trotz. That's the only way. You, that's the only way I see it working next season. You do a, a little bit of retool. Maybe you can't 100% address your needs up front, but you got to either luck out and pull an Anthony Duclair or Corey Perry or somebody, Simmons even, like, fuck, that can actually make your team better up front. I don't know, man. Like, like what can you do? Because we're out of money. You can trade Goudreau, you can trade Monahan, you can try to get the Seattle Kraken to take Geo. I think that's about it. Do you think we have to rebuild? I mean, I have always been like, I'm a little trepidatious, but I mean, yeah, at this point. <laughs> right? Like, come on. Like, I don't know. It might be, it would be different. Again, I think everything is weird this year because it's the shortened season. But I was thinking about this today as like, if these guys truly were good, they wouldn't need fucking 82 games to not suck. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't have this excuse every year where it's like slow start. Oh, we'll get it's just like at the end of the day, like, man, I, I'm I am 100 percent ready to move in a new direction. <laughs> and maybe we sound like a flip I'm flip-flopping because a couple hey, well, weeks ago I was like, Yeah, I'm still I'm sad to see, but like I want to see these guys get another chance with a legitimate roster player up front, a legitimate coach for a full season. But I mean, I just don't know how are you going to sell rolling into next year with like, yeah, we're rolling the same, same thing out. I don't think you can. 
All right, here's where I'm at. And, the, and like, <laughs> if you're listening, this is this is how we are when we watch the games. Yeah, remember, we just finished watching this game. so it's We a- do not take uh, losses very well. No. Ever. I, said, no, I shouldn't say ever. Losses to the Ottawa Centers when it's the biggest game of the season. You have, can't beat them all fucking season long. And everybody looks like ass. Yeah, can't take those very well. But... I already sent him out, but I'm not. I'm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Here's where I'm at. Okay, because we've had some time to process. We've had an hour to process since. Just oh man, the level of just depressing frustration after watching that fucking team. Oh, okay. Here's where I'm at. Whew. I still think you should have fared better. I mean, you, you kind of outplayed Montreal. The, the game could have went either way, the second one, right? Um, but again, it comes back. You don't have any great game breakers that can just take control of the game whenever they want. Like we don't. Well, exactly. The, yeah. You've played good the last few games. And it's like I said off the top of this is like, oh, hot goalie, control possession, had more scoring chances. They don't have enough guys who can put the puck in the goddamn net. End of story. Yeah. And just to bring things back out into larger perspective, like reminding myself. Um, Sutter is working on building the structure, right? And look, he said this last time we brought up on the last podcast. He talked about how important the structure is because when you go into games like back-to-back with Montreal, that second game where we lost, where we could have easily won, the structure is... Gave us a chance to win a game. It's kind of like, you know, when you're talking about your goalie, your goalie just needs to give you a chance to win the game. That's all you ask for. Even if, even if you win six, five, right? Like he just needs to give you a chance to win. That's all you need. Your structure has got to give you a chance to win every game. Maybe what we're seeing is. Why do I do this? (laughs) What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh man, I don't know why I do this. Okay, well, maybe what we're seeing is these guys, once the structure starts to work and this this team needs more time to really implement this structure. We've been talking about that, we've been stressing that. Maybe once the structure starts to work, then that's when we see some of these guys take control of games and win games single handedly. Maybe. Okay, but here's where I'm at, regardless of that situation. Oh, they play that second game in Montreal where they lose. Then they come back. They probably come back to Calgary. They probably have an off day. And then they have one practice day before their shit show tonight in, in Ottawa. Thank God we only play Ottawa one more time. And we play them with a three-day break in between. You really needed this game, but the Oilers did you a favor. Your playoff hopes are still alive. Here's the kicker: you got three days now. I don't. These fucking idiots better not get a day off. <laughs> I want to. I don't want to be checking for practice lines tomorrow and find out they have a fucking day off. They need the practice. Mandated off day. Yeah, no shit, eh? So right now. Both times they've had three practice days, they've gone 3-0. Just so happens they should have three practice days before they play Montreal back-to-back nights with one day off and once again 
Montreal, three games in four nights. That's as, that's as much as I'm giving them, dude. That's it. I'm giving them till the end of next fucking week. Because I've seen some good results from the time in practice that they put in. But they better fucking come out and just dominate. I'm sick of this shit, man. And they, they better win. They better get five out of six points or else I'm done. I'm pulling the plug. They better get six out of six points in regulation or I'm done. I'm pretty much done right now. I uh, like and again, like I never really thought this was a realistic possibility for them to get back into it. But again, I'm intrigued. Like I'm not going to, I can't cheer for them to lose no matter what. Like I know the draft position and everything. I'm still like, I'm still like watching the games, hoping they win. But man, this is just almost like I <laughs> fuck. It's just, it's borderline infuriating. No, it's infuriating. It's infuriating. I don't even know what to say anymore. It's I an, really don't. It's an abusive relationship. So the last shred of hope I'm hanging on to <laughs> is that, right, this structure that Sutter's been going off on, that they can lay down just enough in these three practices to get them through this hump. And, and maybe that's enough to you know, finish the season on. They do have lots of practice time compared to Montreal. Uh, we have a way easier schedule, but at some point we have to realize looking in the rear view that it's probably Vancouver has a better chance than both Calgary and Montreal to make the playoffs. Um, but that's where I'm at. And I'll end it with this. I'm just on Calgary puck right now. And uh, the poster put, which puts something that I think sums everything up perfectly. He says, it's hard to blame Tree Living for building this team that's sinking like an anchor and has no cap space, but also somehow <laughs> looks to not have any assets anyone else is interested in acquiring. It could happen to anyone, really. Just bad luck and things outside of his control. And we'll end it there. Have a great night, everybody. 